2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Modern Manners Guy's Quick and Dirty Tips for a More Polite Life. Folks, does the idea of going to a cocktail party filled with strangers make your palms sweat and your mouth go dry? Do you get so stressed out that you make up reasons not to attend? You call in sick, you blame it on the kids, you name it. Well, you may suffer from mingle phobia, the secret terror of large parties. Yes, my mannerly friends, it's a thing but something we can all fix. And to do that, I'm mixing things up a little bit by having a very special guest today to teach us how to properly mingle and ditch that nasty fear of large gatherings. To do this, I've enlisted the help of the foremost expert on mingling, Miss Mingle herself, Jean Martinet, a world-renowned author of eight books, including her latest work, The Art of Mingling. Hello, Jean. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us today.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: Well, I want to say I loved your book. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was very poignant. There are a lot of really good issues in there that many of my readers have emailed me about. Um, and I saw many connections with how the fear of large gatherings and anxiety of mingling can really affect the way people are perceived, meaning you know, it could alienate them or make them even seem like they're rude.
3: Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how prevalent... The fear of talking to strangers in a social setting is. I didn't really realize it until years ago when I was at a wedding, and I, you know, as as was my want, I talked to every single person in probably in the whole town, mm-hmm. and, um, and all of my friends when I talked to them after the wedding, they had only talked to each other, and yeah. they they were amazed at that uh, I had met so and so and so and so, and and that's when I realized that actually a lot of people have this fear.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's one of those things that people are really uh, nervous to talk about, almost embarrassed. Do you find that as as something that you've come across?
3: Yeah, that's why I say that, you know, that it's the secret fear of parties, because I I was so amazed at, you know, people like, you know, Katie Couric confessed to me that she had mingle phobia. Wow. Of (laughs) all people. It's amazing. You know, it's just really, you think, how can this be? But it's, and it's one of those things that everybody thinks they're the only one who has it.
2: And, you know, you talk about, uh, we're going to get into a lot of other situations in the book, but you talk about weddings in particular, where you do, you kind of, you get your little table, you go to your little, uh, you know, the, the, the appetizer part, but then you also go to your, your table with your card number. You really don't leave that table, even that dance part, you know, the, that part of the dance floor with just your friends. Right. And you had mentioned the story where you went to the wedding. Do you find that weddings or um, large galas, I should say, like that tend to be, are they like the epitome of stressful situations for mingling?
3: Well, you know, I don't think they're, they're definitely harder for mingling because you, because of the table situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, first of all, they're great places to mingle because weddings are, unlike a lot of other situations are filled with the idea of joy and love. So people are actually put in a pretty open-ish mood in weddings. I find, and so, you know, except for the tables, which does, and the dancing, those two things make it hard to actually go up and meet, strangers. But I, I find uh, things like art gallery opening openings much harder because, you know, except for the fact that you're all there to see the artist's painting, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, you don't really know who or why anybody's there and you don't know who the artist is or who the artist's friends are. And there's a lot more sort of fear and also status consciousness at places like that. But, you know, wedding, weddings are actually great places to mingle if you just get up from your table.
2: And that's good. I mean, you're obviously somebody that, you know, you don't skip out on anything. I mean, you if you're, when you're at a party or at an event, you pretty much make the most of it. And like you said, you people are always surprised how many people you meet. And do you find that when people opt to skip out of events, it really only hurts them in the end?
3: It does. I mean, you know, there are very few reasons why you should not, where why you should actually skip the party or or skip out early. And, you know, if if you're sick, or if you have an emergency, or if you really are just in such a bad mood that you're going to do your social self, you know, harm by staying. But, you know, there's always these opportunities. People think, why should I be here? There's all these people I don't know. Mm -hmm. And what am I doing here? But if you just actually go into the fray and start talking to people, you, you can end up, you almost always end up having one or two 10 or 15 minute conversations that really do enhance your life. It sounds crazy because people think it's so superficial, this kind of mingles, uh, conversation at a cocktail party. But you, it's exactly the playfulness and the sort of unknown arena that actually can enhance the quality of your social life.
2: Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, I have a quick story. I, was, I went to this large networking event for my college. There's probably maybe like 400 people for alumni, I should say. And I didn't know a soul. And I thought I'd walk in there and like at least know one person, you know, in the entire Baltimore mm-hmm. area that were at this networking event. I knew nobody. And um, I really, and this was a while ago, this is maybe like, I don't know, uh, eight or nine years ago. And I, I really just was like, well, I got nothing to lose. Either I'm going to win some people over and have some fun with it and maybe make a friend or make a really good connection. Or I'll never see them ever again. Right. So it's like at the end of the day, it was a win-win and ended up by really just taking a chance. And I'm going to touch on this too. But by taking a chance, I ended up really walking with an incredible experience.
3: Right. It, it really can happen. You can end up leaving the party, even if you never see the people again. I mean, it's great if you make a friend or a business connection or whatever. But you can end up just feeling so uplifted by having sort of mixed it up with these with these other unknown humans you never would have talked to before and you had an interesting conversation about like something small, it doesn't matter. And you end up feeling, you know, happier.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I, I, you mentioned something about that in a little while. I don't want to, I'm going to, don't want to get ahead of myself, but it goes on to my other, my one topic I really want to discuss is the whole idea of mingle phobia, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where that comes from. And obviously, you know, your book deals with, you know, combating this issue.
3: Well, I think, I think, you know, mostly, of course, it comes from people being incredibly insecure and self-conscious and, and, you know, not, I'm being afraid of rejection. That's number one. And so we all have this feeling that somehow if, um, you know, if, if we're out in public and, you know, we try to talk to somebody and they don't want to talk to us, that it's going to make us feel horrible. The, the, the fact is that hardly ever happens. And the second part of mingle that I find the reason people don't go to parties is... Um, people are afraid of being, believe it or not, a lot of people I've talked to are afraid of being bored or like stuck with someone they don't want to talk to. Mm -hmm. And like, so that it would just be sort of like embarrassing or, you know, awkward or or a drag. And so there are all of these fears that, um, that's unfortunately supersede the bigger possibility
2: that you're gonna have a good time. And I think that the fear and the nervousness uh, definitely make up for a majority of the people who who really suffer from angle phobia or have a hard or walk into a room and immediately they tense up. Now, and they just it, don't,
3: they think they're not gonna have anything to say.
2: Yeah, you walk in already behind the eight ball if you already walk in there with a negative attitude as if you're gonna be stumbling over your words or you don't know what to say or you're not gonna be cool enough or suave enough. Honestly, I believe that everybody is probably feeling the same way. And I don't care what level you are, for the majority of people, even if you know you're the like take that artist for example at the art gallery. Uh-huh. I mean, he's not. He may, yeah, he's part of the show, but he's still nervous about trying to figure out what you're gonna what he's gonna say. Right. Or how There's gonna no ask. question.
3: It's a basic you know human fear, and that's why one of the um, the first things I tell I talk about in the art of mingling is this attitude um, aid that I call how to fake it till you make it. Yes, which is. Um, you know where you just kind of like you just go in there and if you're really scared the first thing to do because you can't you can't just say oh i shouldn't be scared the first thing you do is you just pretend that you're not scared Mm -hmm. and believe it or not if you actually take a deep breath and pretend to be um happy to be there what what happens is that people will read that on your face and in your demeanor and they will respond positively to you and then then it helps allay your fears
2: You mentioned something in your book along those lines, where you say, you know, get out there, take a risk, be yourself, and that's pretty much kind of the best attitude to walk in there. But are do you do you think there are, and maybe this is part of getting to that mental game? But are there baby steps that people can, you know, work up to when they're going to get in, in, confront these larger groups?
3: Yes, I have, um, I have, um, I have some survival fantasies that I <laughs> have put in the book for the truly terrified people. Um, for example, you can use the what I what I call the um, buddy system, which is not actually like the same as the buddy system that you had when you were in elementary school, but it's it's a pretense of that. In other words, you pretend that your fa- that your best friend or your spouse or whoever somebody who loves you is actually standing right beside you or behind you, and you just have this imaginary friend with you, basically. And when you go up to talk to people, you can just like really imagine that they're there with you hearing what the other person is saying and giving you encouragement. And I know it sounds really stupid, but these little mental tricks can help you in the first five minutes.
2: Oh, well, that's great. And I think the first five minutes is key because that's something uh, you're mentally deciding whether or not you're going to, you know, right. Stay or, 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 or leave go for off the night. a
3: corner. Like there's three choices. You're either going to stay and be in the party or you're going to leave. Or the third choice, which a lot of people do is just to be at the party, but not really be at the party. They go get food and they go sit in a corner.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, you're just, you're just really wasting your own time, you know, right. you're, you're their network. And I'm thinking about, Taking, let's see. A person walks. I'm trying to put myself in a person's mind that gets in. You know, they're really nervous when they walk into that room. And you talk about those first five minutes of being a very key game changer for you. Mm-hmm. But let's say I walk into the room. I really don't know anybody. What's the first thing I do?
3: The first thing you do after, of course, you take off your coat and and mm-hmm. so on, is to seek out the host or the hostess. And um, so you know, you're you're basically allowed when you first at a party. You're basically allowed to. Interrupt that person because you're saying hello. Mm-hmm. So you find out where your host or your hostess is, and if they're if they're if they're worth their salt, this host or hostess will when you say hello, good to be so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, they will introduce you to whoever they're talking to, and then you'll have your first conversation right there. The other thing is if you don't see the host or it seems impossible to interrupt them for some reason, is to obviously uh, go get a drink. I wouldn't my my. Um, my advice is not to go right for the food, um, which some people do, because when you're eating, it's a little harder to have a conversation right away, and because you're, you know, you're eating, <laughs> mm-hmm. so that can actually impede your first few minutes. So, but getting a drink first off is fine, um, and then, you know, then you look around the room, and you, you know, you you try and choose somebody to talk to who is has sort of an open stance. I have a, a, some instructions in the book on which seem, might seem obvious, but who on, on how to choose your first uh, group. And that has to do with uh, a lot of has to do with body language. You, you look for people who are sort of standing loosely open, not like, you know, in a tight circle with their arms around each other laughing Mm -hmm. so that they look like they're open to have a new member basically in their group.
2: Oh, good point. Good point. It's, it's funny. You talk about the food thing. I'll be honest. When I go to a, any kind of party or networking event where I don't know many people I'm really nervous about the food that I eat because it's like, again, you can get obsessed or you can get too hooked on standing by the food table. I was at this one networking event and I was talking to this person and they, had a, they, were, they were like Swedish meatballs kind of thing. Uh-huh. And we were sitting by the table and, they had this, and it was a small little plate, plastic plate, like the size of your palm, a little appetizer plate. Uh-huh. And this guy had a meatball. He forked the meatball and it flung off. It was like it was like, in, it was like that scene in Pretty Woman. It flung off his fork and landed in a chocolate dessert thing, and oh, no. it, was, it was like it was I couldn't believe what I was witnessing, and he was so embarrassed, <laughs> but he was so he had a plate full of food, and I was like, um, and I thought about it. I was like, that's why you know you don't really take. All of it. It's not an all-you-can-eat buffet. It's, oh, well, it maybe, but you're not supposed to look at it that way. <laughs> and I like—I always try to stay away. I take breaks with the food if I really want to, but I don't go there ready to eat. I kind of like use the eating as a side, you know, part of the entertainment.
3: I know. I mean, even even I, Miss Mingle, has made this mistake because I have this weakness for smoked salmon. And <sighs> um, one time I was at a Christmas party, and I was over by eating, you know, eating the smoked salmon, sort of hovering by the food table. Eating the smoked salmon, and you know, after my you know eighth eighth you know eighth <laughs> slice of smoked salmon, I suddenly realized that I had been using the people to get to the smoked salmon instead of using the smoked salmon as a you know way to talk to people. In other words, like the smoked salmon should be like you know, oh, isn't this wonderful smoked salad salmon? The food can actually be a wonderful source of conversation. And you know communion, and you know things, thing you have in common. It's not, it's not supposed to be the primary thing. (laughs)
2: Exactly. You know, use your mouth for more talking than eating. People (laughs) probably like you a lot better, and it, it, it goes on to that whole. Body language feature. You talked about this before about look for the group that's more opening um, and welcoming. And one thing I find that is key about body language is importance of eye contact. And you touch on this in your book as well. Um, yes. and, I, and I think that eye contact is an absolute key function about how people perceive you. Now I'm I'm guilty of this. When I'm talking to somebody, if I if I start to tell a story, sometimes I'll kind of look up to the you know, up out of the corner of my eye and like, you know, as if you're thinking of something, but I don't use it as a distraction, it's just it tends to be the way I talk, and I but but then I'm, boom, I go right back to eye. I'm always on that eye contact. Well,
3: you know, my rule about eye contact is very specific, which is that when the other person is, and you're right, it's extremely important. You do as much mingling with your eyes and the rest of your body as you do with your mouth, really. Um, and it's really important to have those that, those facial, you know, that's important to really, really connect with people with your eyes. But um, when the other person is talking... That is when you, your eyes should be basically glued to their eyes when, when they're talking. But as you say, when you're talking, when you're telling a story, it's natural for your eyes to, you know, you don't have to keep your eyes glued to them. They mm-hmm. should be looking at you. And of course, I do have um, some techniques in the book that will take advantage of this natural thing because it's, you know, if, if you are, you know, if you're wanting to get away or something, you can actually use that time while you're talking to very like check out like where your next move may be. Now, people may, can, may accuse me of being, um, you know, sort of um, superficial by saying this, but this is just a natural, everybody does this. So I'm just the one who talks about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> and in in The Art of Mingling, uh, your new book, you talk about these emergency escape hatches. And I know we talked, you mentioned this a little before. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is a very big issue and about when to leave or how to how to, how to exit without look like you're really ditching someone, whether right. it's a party or a one-on-one conversation.
3: Right. This is very important and, and one of the things that people are, as my most controversial part of the book, because a lot of my uh, techniques, especially escape techniques, are based on friendly fibbing, which some people might call lying. Mm-hmm. But it, it's part of, it's really the cornerstone of polite society that you don't always tell people the truth. And so that's number one. The escape techniques range from, the sort of very um, obvious one, which I call the buffet bye-bye and other handy excuses. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. <laughs> which is when you say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to go get something to eat or something to drink. Now, of course, people can follow you to those areas. So um, even to the restroom. So my, the fav- my favorite one of that is the phone. So you say, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. It's people best to say, what time is it? Oh, excuse me. I have to make a phone call. And um so that's that's a very that's a very easy one. Um and then the but people's favorite in my book seems to be the human sacrifice.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Katie, can can you explain more about the human sacrifice?
3: (laughs) The human sacrifice is when you're talking with somebody who really you just can't get away from and you just you know, you really want to mingle. Whether it's somebody who's unpleasant or just you've had enough, you wait until someone is um, someone you've met or you know is walking close by you, you mm-hmm. reach out, you grab that person and you say, have you met so-and-so? <laughs> and <laughs> as soon as they, they they are meeting, as soon as their eyes meet, you basically have 10 seconds where you can just walk away because change equals movement, movement equals change, which is one of the, you know, the laws of mingling. hmm
2: that's great. That's how you deal with those clingers that just won't leave you alone. they kind of yeah. And
3: there's you know there's other ways. There's I have twelve exit maneuvers in my book. And I love
2: I loved them. I thought I thought they were hilarious. And, <laughs> and it, we've all we've all been there. I mean there's there's not a situation that we talk that you talk about in the art of mingling that we haven't found ourselves in. Whether we're on the uh, the receiving or the receiving side of it, or the ones that are standing <laughs> there with your eyes like wide look. Oh my god. So <laughs> I think but I think that's great. I mean it is a situation where. Uh, and sometimes people, I think it's also a lesson for the flip side. People don't understand when their time's up, and I don't mean that, in the, and I don't mean that in a rude way whatsoever. But right. sometimes you can occupy another person so much that it gets annoying. And you, you may be the most pleasant person on the planet. Don't get me wrong, but it, there is a time in this situation where it there is a beat to follow, and you got to keep get things rolling.
3: Right. I mean, if you're in a room with sixty five people you know, and, the, and you, there, you haven't met any of them, you do not want to spend the entire time talking to one person. Unless, you know, you've fallen madly in love at first sight, you know, <laughs> there are some exceptions. But, you know, there's just so many, you, you really do, it's, you're supposed to be mingling. So, you know, one of my escape maneuvers is just to simply say, well, you know, we should be mingling at this thing. I'll talk to you a little later or something like that. And then, you know, you just shake hands and go out mingling.
2: Yeah, I don't think they're going to hold it against you. I think it's a, it's just a way to, like you said, where you want you want opportunity to meet more people and to make more connections. Right. There's- I mean, and
3: the 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 main thing is, is that the people people seem to have lost the the idea that you know, of polite to to say things that aren't true to be polite. A lot of people are you know are adamant about being authentic, and one should ever never lie no matter what. And wouldn't our world be a better place if we never <laughs> lied? I'm not talking about that kind of lying. I'm not talking about lying on your taxes or to your wife or you know anything like that. We're just talking about being you know, polite society when you don't tell someone, I don't want to talk to you anymore because you're really boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Say
2: that. <laughs> That's a no-no. I highly stress all my lessons. <laughs> Do not tell people that. Right. <laughs> There's ways you can get out of it. Use some of her escape hatches and try to figure out a way to, to, to get out there. I highly one recommend my, the human one side. Of my,
3: one of my other favorite um, escape um, maneuvers is called the personal manager. Which is when you basically take the person and you say, you know, I've got somebody you really need to meet at this party because you would just love her. And then you take, you lead the person over to someone else. It's oh. a little bit of a, sort of a human sacrifice, in a, a sophisticated part of the human sacrifice.
2: Like a delivery method of to sacrifice the human. I like Right,
3: it. but you and it's, it's under the guise, and not guise, but you're actually helping the person. You know, like you know, it's ra- rather than leaving the person all alone, you're actually finding them another partner before you. You know, leave them.
2: Yeah, and I think it's you know in all in the book art of mingling, you know, I honestly think I could do ten episodes of this uh, on how to properly mingle and how to survive. <laughs> but before we go, I want to I want to ask you about the the Tao of mingling, and okay. which I found very enlightening. Can you elaborate on that?
3: Um, well, I I decided yeah that's the that's the last chapter in the book, and you know after all of the, the techniques in the book are um, are basically. Um, all about how you should, you know, instructions on how to go up to somebody, how to talk to somebody, what to say, what not to say. In the end, it's kind of like in any sport or game, after you've learned all this, my advice to people is sort of sounds antithetical, but is to just kind of forget about all that and just kind of it's a it's sort of like the other side of faking it till you make it. It's now you're just going to go into a party and you're just going to be let whatever happens happens. And if you're standing all alone, you, you are supposed to just welcome that the way a Taoist would, where, you know, like there's a principle um, in Taoism where you, if you're an empty bowl, you will be filled up with water. I mean, it's a little esoteric, but it's basically about being centered at a party. Mm-hmm. And so I have lots of different techniques in that chapter on how to actually just center yourself and be so at ease with yourself that people will just come to you.
2: Well, I, like I said, I know that's at the end of the book, and I actually really liked it because I thought it wrapped things up really well, and it kind of gave you that that sense of zen, you know, yeah. and especially you think about it on how to really look at yourself, to some self-awareness, but also set the situations for the next steps. Right. Um, so I highly recommend listeners to go ahead and also check out The Art of Mingling, but especially this is one of my favorite parts of the book. Oh, thank you. Yes, absolutely. And Now, unfortunately… We are out of time, and I don't, want to ta- I don't want to take too much of your time, but I want to say I absolutely, I loved your book. Um, I think it's definitely something my readers and listeners will list, would really enjoy as well. Uh, you can pick up The Art of Mingling at Barnes & Noble, Indie Bound, Amazon, and Apple. And you can also connect with Jean at JeanMartinette.com. That is J-E-A-N-N-E. M-A-R-T-I-N-E-T dot com. And I'm also going to have links on our site that you can go ahead and connect with Gene as well. The week this week we'll also have a special expert from the excerpt from the Art of Mingling audiobook. And you can visit quickanddirtytips.com to listen more. Jean, I want to thank you so very much for your time. I know you're very busy, and thank uh, you so
3: much, Richie. It was great.
2: Great. Is there anything else you like? Letter readers, any Twitter handles? Uh, uh, you can follow
3: me. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Miss Mingle. That's Miss uh, underline uh, underslash whatever you call that Mingle, mm-hmm. um, and on Facebook at Miss Mingle as well. And I just think it's great that Miss Mingle got to meet Mr. Manners. It's been a thrill. I
2: know it's it's a match made in heaven. We have to go to a party now and mingle together.
3: Absolutely, we should have alerted the you know alerted the times that this meeting was happening. It's exactly.
2: <laughs> well, I appreciate it very much. Again, I wish you the best of luck in the world, and let's keep in touch.
3: Okay, absolutely. Thank you so
2: much. All right, thank you.